Sin Media and Arts Mission acknowledge and pay our respects to the people of the Wairarung and Bunwarung language groups of the Eastern Kulin Nations, on whose unceded lands the Sin Office Studios and our homes stand. Arts Mission respectfully acknowledges their ancestors and elders, past, present and emerging. We also acknowledge the traditional custodians and their ancestors of the lands and waters across Australia where our content reaches and on which Sin partner organisations stand. Sovereignty has never been ceded, it always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Having a massive passion for radio and podcasting, as well as being a huge comedy lover myself, I could not wait to interview this man, especially given that the Melbourne International Comedy Festival is right around the corner. So close, you can literally smell it. And by smell it, I mean reserve your seats now so you don't miss out on any of the great live acts, including the man I'm about to chat to. He is a multi-award winning comedian, actor and podcaster with his show's total reboot with Alexi Toliopoulos and the chart-topping phenomenon, the Becky and Cam hotline with fellow comedian Becky Lucas. You have seen him all over the Italian Channel 10, Comedy Central and shows such as SBS's The Feed, Win the Week and Gruen on the ABC Network, as well as Comedy Galas and Comedy Upweight. Ladies and gentlemen, Cameron James. Thank you so much for having me. Cameron, it's an absolute pleasure having you on the show today, mate. Being a massive lover of stand-up comedy, but more so the Australian stand-up scene here, it is fair to say that you're an absolute legend of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not Will Anderson. I'm not Husey. I'm not Tom Gleason. I'm not Judith Lucy. Um, I'm not Denise Scott, but I'm somewhere, I'm somewhere in there. I'm in the middle somewhere but i don't know if i'm a legend but i'm a, i'm working on it <laughs> maybe by the time i'm 60 they'll give me a tv show on the abc or something that'd be nice you're definitely up there mate well anyways electric dreams is the title of your brand new show that you'll be performing all over the country this year notably in the melbourne international comedy festival that's kickstarting next month in april tell us how did the title electric dreams come about um, I actually used to be in a band called Electric Dreams when I was 15 years old in high school. And that's kind of what this show is about. It's about this time in my life when I was 14, 15, 16, and all I wanted to be was a really serious musician. And I wrote all these incredibly earnest love songs and rock songs about like legalizing weed and taking down the government and stuff like that. And, uh, and then I kind of forgot about that time of my life. And I've just recently discovered all my old songbooks from when I was a teenager. So I'm going to play some of these embarrassing songs live in my show and then kind of tell the stories behind them and kind of talk about why I gave up my rock star dreams, my electric dreams, if you will. So that's Love kind of where the title came from. Love it. So what kind of genres were you into back in the day? Yeah, it was, um, it was the early 2000s. So what was going on was Arctic Monkeys were yep. huge. Franz Ferdinand was kicking off. And then like the Strokes coming out of America. Um, but the big thing for me, and it's very cringy and embarrassing to admit, is I was really into that like rap rock genre of like Limp Bizkit and Corn and Rage Against the Machine and stuff like that. So a lot of my early songs are very aggressive, angry, 
songs about the government and stuff. And I knew nothing about the government. I still know nothing about the government. 100%. Throwing a bit of Linkin Park in there too. Love it. <laughs> Linkin Park and Jay-Z. That's the best stuff, I'm, man. What a collab that was. I still listen to it <laughs> pretty much one, at least a few times a week. It's an absolute banger before the gym and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, man. It's a workout mix for sure. I always have that song pumping when I'm at the gym. <laughs> Get hot. Anyways, well, having so many big accolades next to your name, does all your success add that extra bit of pressure when writing and performing your next show? That's incredibly nice of you. I actually <laughs> don't think I'm successful and I don't think it's, it's really hard to be successful in comedy. You know, like there's, there's only so many spots for famous people and they're all taken up, you know, like with all these like people that we know, you know, Will and Husey and all that, they've been famous for 20 years. So all the up and comers, the young dogs, the next generation, my generation, we're just sort of in the shadows. So we're still hungry, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It's not pressure to be good. It's just like we want to be as funny as we can and work as hard as we can because as soon as the old guys start dying, they're going to need a new <laughs> crop of um, famous comedians on TV and we want to be ready for it, you know? To take over. <laughs> that's a really brutal thing to say but that's just what's in my heart at the moment so i have to say it <laughs> <laughs> appreciate your honesty cameron <laughs> we're doing a bit of research uh before you were a comedian obviously and you just mentioned it above as well um you wanted to be a rock star so do you still play mm -hmm. any of the instruments that you played growing up and given the cir circumstances that we have just experienced within the past two and a bit years of on and off lockdowns did that inspire you to pick up your old talents and give it a crack again? And will we potentially see a kick-ass comedy rock show at next year's festival for you belting out the jokes <laughs> and shredding on the electric? <laughs> uh, yeah, look, lockdown made everyone go crazy, um, especially like you guys were in it for way longer than we were in Sydney. But way too long. Yeah, way too long. And I mean, I don't even know. I don't know what you were like during the lockdown, but I all I could really do is watch movies and TV shows or think about the past and like reflect on my own life and stuff like that. So of course a week or two weeks into lockdown, I pulled out the guitar, which I hadn't played in many years and started mucking around on it again and jamming in the living room. And I, I got to tell you, I'm not very good, but I am <laughs> like, I'm not good enough to be a real guitarist, but I am good enough to muck around on it for a comedy show. Yes. So you will not see me shred, but you will see me bash a few chords out on a fender and uh, try my hardest to sound like the rock star I wanted to be when I was 16 years old. That's all I can, that's all I can give you. On a fender, that's going to be a sight to say. Oh, dude, I'm, I'm uh, nothing but the best for me. I've got a Fender amp and a Fender guitar. I'm absolutely feeling it. <laughs> <laughs> Loves it. Well, my love of comedy came literally out of nowhere from the spontaneous choice I made going to my first live gig back in 2016. I had no expectations, knowledge of the art itself whatsoever. But I'm always interested in asking people about how they got into or fell in love with comedy. So Cameron, how did you get into comedy? Was it something that just came about out of nowhere like it did with me? Or was it always something that you had in the back of your mind when one day you just said, right, 
how about we actually give this a go and, you know, see where it takes me. Um, I think it was always in the back of the mind somewhere, but I didn't really even know how you could do it. You know what I mean? I grew up in Newcastle, um, in New South Wales and, you know, it's like two and a half hours out of Sydney. There was no stand-up comedy in Newcastle. It wasn't until I moved to Sydney when I was in my mid twenties that I even heard about an open mic comedy night. And so I started going and watching and I was kind of amazed by all these local comedians, but at the same time, there was that voice in the back of my head saying, well, if these guys can do it, maybe you can have a crack at it. And after months and months of going and watching, I eventually just caved and wrote my name down on the sign up list and went and I've been doing it pretty much every single night since for like a decade. And I don't, I don't know what it was that, you know, caused me to write my name down that night. I think it's probably just, I don't know. I think it's just like what happens when you're in your twenties and you think, Oh, maybe I can be good at this thing. Maybe I'll be good at soccer. Maybe I'll be good at comedy. Maybe I'll be good at playing guitar. I don't know. I don't know if I would do it now if I hadn't started. It's the arrogance of youth. 100%. I, I generally think like when I first got into it, and I just kept going and being in Melbourne at the moment, we're absolutely blessed with some of the best comedy clubs. We, totally. we got clubs on, uh, we got Spleen on Monday nights, you know, Basement Thursday, Friday, mm. Saturday, the new one, Comedy Republic by Reese Nicholson. Then you got like the mm. little ones like Tupazine, the Rochi and all that stuff. And you just see some of the yep. talent go up and you're just like, I reckon I could whip up a few jokes for five minutes. And I can give it totally, like, but then, like, in the moment, it's just like you get up those bright lights, it's just like, oh crap, <laughs> what have I got myself? I into? know, <laughs> I know, just, like, I li- I... <laughs> it's the silence that hits you, huh? You 100%. never really expect how much that silence is gonna hurt, oh, but then, like, definitely. the more you're doing it, the more you start to realize that, um, it is just talking, that's all it is. So, if you can just keep talking and keep being yourself and saying the things that you find are funny, then you have a good chance of breaking through but those first few gigs. Oh my God. Oh, it's a bit no, like I've that. never felt anything like it. So scary. Cause I, um, weird analogy, but I kind of dip my feet in a bit of a bit of sales before my, um, my real job. And like the first two times, like, you know, going up to people talking to strangers, is like, Oh my God, this is not going to go well. I'm going to, you know, buckle <laughs> and all that stuff. But then once you do it like three to four times, you just like it just becomes second nature and you're just busting out what you've already said, like pretty much as a script. And you just, you yep. know, people, you know, they don't know you, like they, they won't remember it. But if, you know, you pitch them really well, they're like, oh, they'll come back and all that stuff. They'll actually, you build that sort of report. And that's with like comedy and kind of like you want people, like you want your, your listeners and, you know, the, the audience, sorry, I should say, to kind of uh, relate to what you're saying and all that. And I reckon that that's some of the best kind of forms of comedy when you can actually relate to the uh, the comedian, his kind of stories that he's performing. Yeah, it was really good advice someone gave me pretty early on when I was maybe a year in or something like that. Someone said, like, the most important thing to stand up isn't your jokes. It's about being present in the room with the audience so that they feel like you're just their friend who's up there talking. Yeah. And they're looking at you and you're looking at them and you're both connecting. I remember hearing that and thinking, oh my God, yeah, you're right. That's what it is. Hey, it's just when you're in the audience, all you want is to like the person up there and wish you were buddies with them. 
100%. And so that's kind of the goal. Like for me, I'm always thinking, how can I like make a little relationship with these people? Even if it only lasts for 10 minutes, I want it to feel like we've been mates for ages. Have a beer afterwards as well. Why not? Absolutely. If they're buying, I'll do it. <laughs> Maybe hey. get a lift home. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's it. Well, mentioning the recent lockdowns again, how did you cope with it all since being in the live arts industry? Did you utilize your time creating more content or did you, you kind of just bum around and just, you know, like you said, watch kind of Netflix and chill? <laughs> I was kind of lucky because I, uh, you mentioned earlier that I do a lot of podcasts yeah. and that's kind of been a lifesaver for me. Like uh, I do this podcast with my buddy, Alexi, where we just talk about pop culture. And I do this other one with, comedian Becky Lucas, where we just talk to each other and we we talk to audience members who call in on a hotline number. So I kind of felt like I was connected to people the whole time and it gave me something to focus on and something to be funny with and some stuff to muck around with. But yeah, of course, I also just laid around and watched every single Fast and the Furious movie and I watched all of Seinfeld and you know, I listened to a million podcasts and a million albums. I did, I did it all. I, I vacillated between feeling very confident and like I was contributing to my creative career and also feeling like I'd hit rock bottom and I just hadn't showered in two days and stuff. I was, I went fully mental at times, but that's just, that's what everyone did. We all went through the same thing. That was a normal, it was an absolute whirlwind. Oh, dude, of course. And for you guys, so much worse. You were you were locked up for like four months or something, five months. Oh, multiple times as well. Like we, yeah, pretty much an absolute tease for us. Like we, we'd have like you know four months of hard lockdown, then two weeks of freedom, and then it's just like they pull you back on your leash. Like, no, nah, get in, get in. You're going back for another six months, kind of thing. But um, so it was kind oh. of really hard to plan, in, you know, in advance and and kind of look forward to a lot of things. So when um they released like you know stand up comedy again. Was that the first gig? It was just like, oh, yeah, get me in. Oh, man. I need, you needed a laugh. Of course. A lot of my best friends are Melbourne comedians. So I was in touch with them every day and we'd have Zoom chats and um, a lot of group texts, a lot of like joking around and trying to make each other laugh. But yeah, I'm very excited to get down to Melbourne because the the comedy scene is so good at the moment and the audiences are just amazing. Like, eating up the live comedy stuff so i'm i can't wait to get down there and experience it oh it's growing as well it's just going by the minute and with especially like i said all the uh all the little clubs going up what no tomorrow it's just you just love to see it and especially for the lights the live art sorry um it's just absolutely been shut on in the past two years so just to say kind of make a comeback and just make an impact like it has been it's just you just love to see it absolutely well, being a comedian and having the privilege of touring all around Australia and the world, performing to different people and seeing all those extraordinary venues, you could say, and attractions, was there ever a time when there was a gig that you had done that went absolutely pear-shaped? <laughs> oh, dude, yeah, years of it. I've had years of pear-shaped gigs. One of the worst ones I've ever done was in uh, Jindabyne, which is in New South Wales. It's like our snowfields oh, in New yeah. South Wales where all the skiing happens and stuff. I got booked to play 
the bar after a, after all these rich people have had a full day of skiing and drinking and enjoying being wealthy. I was the evening's entertainment. Yeah, exactly. I was the, I was the entertainment for them and they just couldn't have hated me more. And what started as I was trying so hard to connect to these people and give them a good time, give them a good night, but they were so smug and so snobby and they were so drunk that it just became half an hour of um, me ranting against the upper class <laughs> and just standing on stage being like, you rich bastards, I hate all of you. You're all so scum. You're all pieces of crap. And they loved it. Like that was the one thing that made them love me was when I called them disgusting. And that's what the rich people want, I've realized. They want some little street rat to come in out of the cold and call them all filth. Yeah, just tell it how it is. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but there's been years of it. I mean, like every now and then one surprises you by being bad. But for the most part, they're pretty good now. I think audiences are pretty great. The comedy scene in Australia is really strong. And I've been doing it long enough that I can usually weather any storm, even if it's like a bad night or a bad group of people in there. I feel like I feel like I can survive it. I'm strong. I'm match fit. I'm ready. <laughs> ready to go. Ready to go the, uh, the 12 rounds. Yeah, 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 exactly. So do you remember what your first gig was like and where you performed it at? Yeah, yeah. It was a small uh, underground open mic in like the basement of the pub in Sydney. And uh, I think I was pretty bad, but... I enjoyed it regardless. You know what I mean? Like I had, yeah. I was having so much fun. And when I got off stage, it was such a huge rush that I was immediately addicted to it. But actually just recently I found video of my first or second ever set and it's unwatchable. It's so embarrassing. And I can hear that I'm doing a different voice. I'm yeah. clearly trying to, I'm trying to sound like a famous comedian on TV, like Dave Chappelle or, Jerry Seinfeld or something. And it's just, yeah. it doesn't even sound like me. It's, <laughs> it's unlistenable, but you know, whatever. I, I still enjoyed it. I thought yeah, it was the best crack. night of my life. That's it. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Well, um, like I said, having so many perks, like we mentioned, being able to tour the world, having TV and radio spots, what would you say is the best bit or your most favorite bit about being a comedian? Honestly, um, you know, like the radio stuff and the TV stuff, that's pretty few and far between for most comedians. If you're lucky, you get to do it a couple of times a year. So all you really have is the live shows. Night to night, getting up in a comedy club in front of a room full of strangers and trying to make them laugh, trying to connect with them. That's the part that I enjoy the most because that's the job. That's the main thing that I've signed up to do. And I just love it. I love it so much. I, I'm not even in an attention seeking way. It's not about, Oh, I, I want them to love me. It's about, I love meeting new people. I love trying to form a little friendship with people for 15, 20 minutes at a time. And I just, I could, I feel so lucky that I get to do it in this day and age. Well, coming from a fan's point of view, to a fan to a comedian, it makes our night 
being able to come up to you after you know a show or a gig and just being able to have, you know you give us a bar for two to five minutes of you know just having a chat so i really appreciate mm. that and i love your intentions of actually you know wanting to do that with uh, us fans and all that stuff it actually makes us want to support you even more and keep seeing you oh it's the best there's nothing worse than an arrogant um performer i think mm. sometimes you meet comedians that are famous and they think they're too good for the audience or yeah. they act too cool or they run away straight after the gig and get in their car and drive away i'm mm. no i'm hanging out i'm hanging out i like to have a chat yeah it's the best i love it so i really do thank you and i um, hope to see more of it as well especially from all the other comedians oh yeah yeah yeah. that's what my goal is my goal is to make comedians want to hang out more yeah. <laughs> maybe it's a new podcast idea <laughs> yeah that's yeah, not bad well quick comebacks and crowd work skills is an absolute essential when being a comedian as you'd probably know but it is also one of the toughest aspects aspects of the art i feel myself so cameron i have to ask how are you with the good old hecklers and has there been any notable heckler experiences in your career <laughs> yeah i mean just like the earlier question there's been so many hecklers over the years and for the most part they're not they're not um trying to ruin the night usually it's just people trying to be involved in some yeah. capacity so they yell something out that they think is helpful or they think is funny and if it is funny, I'll pay it and I'll laugh at it and I'll repeat it to the audience and yeah. let everyone laugh and all that stuff, you know. But if it sucks, if it's not funny, if it's lame, my tactical response these days is usually just to let them sit in the silence and feel what it feels like yeah. to have a joke not land. And then they generally shut up after that. Okay, and I, I think that's a, it's a more mature response that I've developed over the years. But when I first started, I would, I would heckle people back and I would, it would become a back and forth, <laughs> but there's no, there's no time for that anymore. Now I just let them bomb. I let them sit in the silence of it and just go, yeah, anyway, and move on. And then they usually shut up and they don't do it anymore. That was their 15 seconds of fame. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and usually they, they never heckle again because it no. just feels so awkward to yell something out to a room and no one laughs. Well, Awful. Usually when like the comedian does respond, they just don't respond back. <laughs> and it's just like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, totally. I mean, people just want to say the thing that's in their head and they don't yeah. really plan on a comeback. But I mean, the, the back and forth between comedian and audience is one of my favorite parts of doing it. I love having a chat with people in the crowd. And if they're funny, that's even better. It feels like a little cheat for me, like a little free win, you know, yeah. if they're getting laughs. Oh, so, I mean, I, I quite like it. I think it's not as hard as people say it is. I think it's enjoyable. Exactly. All right. Well, time for the big one. Who would you say is your favorite comedian? Oh my God. <laughs> that not is <laughs> Um, I'll give it up to my best friend, Becky Lucas, yep. who I do the podcast, the Becky and Cam hotline with. She's definitely one of my all time favorite comedians. And, um, yeah, I love, I love watching her. I love all the new material. I love getting to joke around with her every week on our podcast. So I'll give it up to her. Well, if you could recommend two comedians for someone who isn't into comedy in order for them to get into comedy. You directly choose. Okay. Look, if you're a, like a like a K 
casual fan or whatever and you you just see comedy when it's on tv or whatever but you're looking to go see someone live uh, i would have to say ann edmonds she's a melbourne comedian who's really fantastic and uh she's on have you been paying attention quite a bit so you'd probably recognize her from tv and for the other person um um Jerry Seinfeld. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he has a TV show called Seinfeld. And, um, oh, you'd, it's actually about nothing. It's a show about nothing. I know that sounds crazy, but, um, oh yeah, mate, it's a little old now, maybe a couple of years old, but, um, you can find it online. Usually it's, it's sitting on Netflix or something like that. And yeah, you'd really like it. I think he's a really funny guy and he's going places for sure. I might have to check it out. <laughs> yeah, check it out. <laughs> also, if you've never seen a show called The Simpsons, it's also really good. Oh, I'm more of a Friends fan, man. Uh, but yeah, I'm happy to get new recommendations. <laughs> so is that a bit like is, uh, is it a bit like Futurama? Or... <laughs> sort of, yeah. It's sort of similar to Futurama, <laughs> but it's set in it's set in like modern days instead yeah. of the future. Anyway, give it a try. It's really cool. I'll add it to the list. Thank you. So Cameron, <laughs> what would you say is next for you in comedy and podcasting? Well, I'm just really excited to tour this show. It's um, it's kind of different to anything I've ever done before. Normally in the past when I've toured a stand-up hour, it's just been an hour of my favorite jokes that I've worked on over the last year. But this show, Electric Dreams, is a bit of a story and it has it has the music in it from my childhood and it's kind of a little bit more revealing than I've ever done in the past. So I'm pretty excited to tour that. And when I get back from the tour, I'm starting, a, I'm starting work on a third series of my podcast, Finding Drago. Um, I've got a bit of funding from Screen Australia to make a third season of that. So I'm pretty excited. That'll, that'll see me out for the rest of the year. And then I'll probably chill. I reckon, <laughs> I reckon I'll probably go back into the cave and keep watching TV and bit of me movies time. for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. I reckon a bit yeah. of me time after all. Recharge the batteries up for a next festival. That's it. Yes. Yes. I've got to do that. Yeah. Oh, that's always good. Well, before we wrap things up, was there any quick cheeky plugs that you wanted to share out Cameron? You've actually kind of plugged them all for me. There's the Total Reboot podcast and the Becky and Cam Hotline podcast. They're both on Spotify, Apple, um, all the all the podcast apps, whatever they are. And I've already mentioned Seinfeld and The Simpsons. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't really have anything else to plug. If you'd like to come see my um, live comedy show, it's going to be at Comedy Republic during the melbourne comedy festival and um yeah i'm really excited to do it great venue can't wait to see you there you can see cameron james live next month at the melbourne international comedy festival from tuesday the 12th of april right up to sunday the 24th of april at comedy republic then at the perth sydney and brisbane comedy festivals throughout the month of may also for more updates on cameron james be sure to follow him on his socials at i am cameron james on instagram and twitter Cameron James, thank you so much for your time. It has been an absolute pleasure, Legend. Thanks so much for having me. I look forward to seeing you down in Melbourne. Definitely. I definitely will. Thank you so much. Right. All the best. Take care, mate. Thanks, mate.
Have a good one. See you, you later. Too.